Backstage Pass is made possible by Mauer Productions on Stage, producers of the classic musical Men of La Mancha, opening Friday, February 6, 2009, at the Kelsey Theater in West Windsor, New Jersey. Hello, and welcome to Backstage Pass, Central New Jersey's community theater podcast. I'm John Maurer, and I'll be moderating this session, where we will be discussing The Rocky Horror Show, being produced by Chang Ferreira Productions at the Kelsey Theater in West Windsor, New Jersey. The show is a wild takeoff on the Frankenstein story. Rocky Horror combines R-rated science fiction, campy antics, trashy fantasy, and ridiculous comedy with a rousing rock and roll score. When Brad and Janet, an innocent, newly engaged couple, are forced to seek assistance at a remote castle, they are unprepared for the crowd of freaky characters assembled there. Led by the flamboyant, mad scientist Frankenfooter, soon Brad and Janet find themselves seduced by Frankenfooter's unrestrained lifestyle. The Rocky Horror Show was written by Richard O'Brien and was first produced in London in 1973. It has had numerous revivals in London and America over the years, but the version that is best known is the movie version that was produced in 1975 and helped bring actor Tim Curry to the public eye. With me here to talk about the show is director Frank Ferreira, musical director Nicholas Chang, and set designer Judy Parrish. Thank you all for coming. Thanks. Thanks for Thanks. having us. Okay, Frank. Yes. Now, Rocky Horror is a worldwide, almost cult phenomenon. You start singing one of the songs, like, over at the Frankenstein Place, and you're bound to have a group of people joining in. But most of the public know the movie, not the stage version of the musical. For those who haven't had that experience, what should they expect? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty different. First of all, I mean, obviously the, uh, the movie has sort of a 70s aesthetic to it. The music is a little bit 70s. The design is a lot 70s. We've got the big afro hair and the sort of, so it, th that's the aesthetic. This is not like that. Um, the orchestrations are contemporary. The music is contemporary. The design is more contemporary, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that. Apart from that, uh, there's no difference in the plot. There's one song in the show that isn't in the movie, or rather that was cut from the movie, a song for Brad called Once in a While. But uh, the, the basic outline of it is the movie outline. The plot is the same. The songs are the same. 95% of the dialogue is exactly the same. The performances will be different. The way that it's set up is a little bit different. But people who know the movie will not be seeing something totally unfamiliar to them, for sure. Now, even though the movie wasn't designed to be interactive, it has become interactive over the years of play, constant playing in midnight mm -hmm. shows. People shouting out lines, bringing props and such. Was that part of the original musical? Uh, near as I can tell, no. It was a stage play before it was a movie, of course, and, and I, I get the impression that when it was first made, nobody really expected it to go in quite the direction it did, but then they sort of ran into a problem with the, the play, and then especially with the movie, in that, and, and I say this as someone who loves the Rocky Horror Show. It doesn't make one bit of sense. Um, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you really pay close attention to what they're saying, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I think that the movie, initially people are going to see it, I think, and saying, what? <laughs> really? This is what, you're, this is what you're putting on screen? And so then they started yelling back, and it went from a very bizarre, nonsensical experience to an experience that everybody was laughing and having a good time, and the rest is history. Now, I remember from, um, from the 70s working in a movie theater, and we had midnight shows of Rocky Horror, and you would literally have... Uh, when it was all done, 
if the screen wasn't torn down, <laughs> uh, several feet of toilet paper, and toast uh-huh. <laughs> all over the floor. Yep. <laughs> now, how are you taking that part and bringing it into the into the stage show? People are encouraged to participate, first of all. I mean, the, the show isn't the show without people yelling back. This is the show that, that we're advertising for adults only. So if anybody's listening and thinking about bringing your eight-year-old, you really, really, really shouldn't. Um, it's, it's a very grown-up show, and even more grown-up are the things that people will say back. You know, we're not putting any restrictions on what you say. Uh, we will be selling bags of things to throw at us um, and one another. Now, these are, these are marked as safe items to throw. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're kind of discouraging people from bringing, I don't know, real food, livestock, weapons. Weapons, yes. Those things Super are bad jackers. to throw. Kelsey, Kelsey would prefer that people don't bring anything in at all that wasn't here initially. So we're, we're selling bags of things that you're permitted to throw, and it's all the sort of, if you know Rocky Horror, it's all the things that you throw in Rocky Horror. It's toilet paper and cards and water guns and bubbles and... Bells and all the good stuff. And uh, those will be available at the door, and then people come in and throw them at us. Okay, we're, we're talking interactivity. The thing is that in the movie, when people yell back at the screen, they don't expect to have the screen yell back at them. <laughs> that's right. Though in a live theater environment, that's different. So that means that there's some improvisation that has to be put on. Yes, to an extent. I think that one of the problems that people get into when they stage this show is trying too hard to do that. Trying too hard to be funny, improv, engage with the audience, and suddenly the show is four hours long. And the actors are just abandoning the plot. What little plot there is, as I said before, doesn't make any sense. If you want the audience to continue to appreciate what you're doing as a, as a show, as opposed to just an opportunity for them to have a party, the actors have to be pretty disciplined. They can't freelance the whole show long. That doesn't mean that they won't occasionally throw off something that you're not expecting, but we're, we're trying not to make this a free-for-all. Now, how are you preparing them for this? Well, we've had a couple people come into rehearsals and yell at them, um, <laughs> which, which is very surprising for them. So you're bringing in your own hecklers, is that it? We, we are. <laughs> yes, we've brought in guest hecklers. Uh, and I think that, that uh, I, there's no way you can prepare them for it. There's no way you can. I, I did a production that I was in a couple of years ago, and we had a theoretical idea what it was going to be like. But once you get out there and the audience is yelling at you, there's no way you can prepare for that. <laughs> um, you just got to go. But we have actors who are pretty, pretty easygoing and flexible, and they're having a good time, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Now, I want to talk to Nick for a second. Uh, your group has earned a reputation for doing rock musicals and doing them well. Do you find it a challenge over traditional theatrical scores? Um... No, no, but I just, uh, rock shows have less musicians, so that's certainly a financial thing. Well, if we're doing South Pacific, you need 28 musicians, professional musicians, and that's expensive. And rock show, at least for what we're paying them, you know, we can get good musicians to come in. It's a smaller uh, ensemble, and it, it fits in this theater, because there's only so much room you can put musicians in this theater. And, you know, everybody's enthusiastic about a rock show. A musician, who, a drummer loves to play rock drums, you know. <laughs> uh, a guitar player loves to be able to improv and play that. So doing a rock sh- with the musicians I know, 
you know, they, they're, they're sort of enthusiastic about being involved with a rock show rather than sort of a, a mainstream musical theater kind of thing. Well, well, what about the cast themselves? I mean, do they do they seem to do better with a rock, or do you feel that they enjoy it more than they do a traditional score? Yeah. I think everyone deep down inside wants to be a rock star. And well, it depends. Depends on the actor. Well, and, but but I think I think once upon a time every person has a desire to <laughs> sing with a rock band, and you know if we can give them a little bit of that, that's I think that's pretty cool. Okay, well, what what's your preference? If you had a preference between a traditional large orchestra score and a rock score, it depends how I'm feeling that day because <laughs> I've always wanted to be a rock star. And that'll never happen, but I get to be, you know, I, I get to sort of lead a rock band for this, which is cool, but I would love to stand in front of a orchestra of 20, 30 musicians and do that, too. Depends on how I'm feeling. I'm, <laughs> we're, I'm really happy with the musicians we have for Rocky Horror. They're a rockin' band, and I think, uh, I think it sort of uh, it motivates the, the, the cast and it motivates the people working on the show. So I think uh, we're doing a good job there. Now, in seeing the set going up, because I was just in the theater now, uh, your band isn't in the traditional pit area or hidden or anything like that. It's right out there. Yeah, we're right out there. There's five of us, and should be an interesting experience. So that that brings us over to the the set design and Judy. I mean, the show is uh, well, sort of loosely based on somebody's concept of reality, if you think about it. <laughs> exactly, um, the best way to say it. I yeah, think. that's great. So that is that sort of leaves the setting loosely up to the imagination. It, it does, and. Um, Really working collaboratively with Frank and Nick about where they saw things going helped pull the pieces of the set together using, you know, the, the scaffolding that we're using, which is a little more, you know, stark type of setting, um, having the band on stage and using what is now the raised pit area for Frank Conferter's lab will make it, you know, lots of different levels mm -hmm. and different areas for people to work in. Um, it, it, may, it was a challenge to think about how to put different pieces together and sort of make it look asymmetrical. <laughs> now, when people walk in the door, what are they going to see? What's going to hit them first? Actually, at the very beginning, they won't see all of the set because the projection screen will be down for the science fiction movies. Right. Oh, so... Science fiction double features is the first song of the show. Mm -hmm. So this projection screen will be down. So parts of the set will be somewhat obscured. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lab will be up there that you'll be able to see, but other things behind it will be somewhat obscured. You won't really see the band unless you're way down <laughs> low to see the band. And then after the show starts, the screen goes up and the whole set will be revealed. Now, the science fiction double feature in the movie was The Lips. Yes. It was actually a woman's lips, but a man's song, it, I believe. Yes. But in the musical, it's an usherette. Well, that's the name of the character. That's what mm. they've written in the script. Traditionally, it's done by, um, by two women, the women who play Magenta in Columbia in sort of old-style usherette uniforms with the little pillbox hats and the red jackets. Um, we're doing something a little bit different than that. Ah. Well, we're not going <laughs> to spoil it for anyone who's walking in the door there. So how's the experience been putting this together? Exhausting. Exhausting in a way that very few shows are. There's an enormous amount of technical work that goes into a show like this. I mean, it, it's so silly that you have to really sell it. You can't kind of just fall back on saying, oh, well, you know, they'll get it because they won't get it unless you make them get it. But it, it's a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that I really like about um, this kind of show, about rock shows in general, is that it, 
Sorry. The actors get to demonstrate <laughs> that there's more to them than what you might see in a different show. And some of these people are people that I've worked with in the past who are doing something very different for them. And it's exciting just to sit and watch that. Can you tell me what's your favorite part of the show? What, what part's like really working out for you? For me, there's two things. One of them right now is the song Time Warp, which most people probably know. There's a very specific dance associated with it that people have seen before. And one of the things I asked our choreographer to do was to take that, start with that, and then give us something that no one's seen. I didn't know when I asked her to do it how it would come out, and I feel really strongly that she nailed it. That she, she found a way to take the dance that everyone has seen before, but then make it something that is uniquely hers. So that's, that's for me, that, that number is, is, pretty, is pretty big. And then the other part is pretty much anything that, that the actress playing Columbia does from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. She's a riot. Uh, I have to say, time warp, for the same thing Frank says, you know, we told her to start with, 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 with something familiar and break out, and we, we even added a dance break in it, and, and, you know, it's become this huge production number. And I think we, we have a killer ensemble. Mm-hmm. You know, really our, our ensemble, they're working their butts off, and it really shows. And you, 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 even though it's sort of a thankless part in the back, they're, they're really selling Well, it. it's sort of interesting because, you know, you can do this sort of show in two different ways. You can cast 30 people, or you can cast, well, we have 14. So the ensemble that Nick is talking about is five people. And so instead of being five people among 30 blending into the back, each one of them contributes as much as any of the principals easily. And so that's sort of a, it's fun yeah, to see They're that. working mm-hmm. real hard and they're fabulous. Now the, the show is known for having played midnight shows around the country. And you're keeping with that tradition here, right? Yes, we have two midnight shows. One the first Friday and one the second Saturday. Now, is there anything special about those midnight shows that people should know about? <laughs> Other than the director falling asleep? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been up that late in a while. No, a, a different kind of crowd comes to the midnight show. Yes. So, and watch also, out for that. opening night is Halloween. So even though people sometimes in other shows do come dressed in costume, Halloween will, should be perhaps extraordinarily dressed. So we certainly have no objection to it. And, and the, the, the Rocky Horror Show, historically, just anywhere, movie or, or yeah, stage version, people come dressed as the characters. I just assume. We, uh, we're all for that. Go, go, go for it. If you want to come dressed. Yeah. Some people come dressed great. as the various characters, whether it's Halloween or not. Yeah. They just show up. I do think that there will be a little more edge to the crowds at midnight, so that that's worth taking under advisement. If you come at midnight, no holds barred. I think yeah, for the, the audience members at least. But no, no, come if you're enthusiastic, come to the, come to the show, come dressed, come prepared to have a good time. Um, we those prop bags that we've spoken about will be ten dollars, and they'll sell it in the lobby and before the show, you know, in the house. And there will be activities happening before the show starts. There's um, sort of games and things happening. The, the five uh, phantoms in the ensemble will be wandering around. Interacting. Interacting, interacting. <laughs> yes, that's great. And they're going to be staging games of various sorts and little competitions, and no one is required to participate. But And again, it's best not to bring your children. <laughs> we really can't emphasize that enough. <laughs> okay, so what do you guys have coming up later in the season? Well, in the spring, we'll be doing High School Musical. 
Which I'm very excited about. Me too. Me too. And um, Very different from Rocky Horror Show. Very different. <laughs> so, uh, you know, look out for auditions on the Kelsey website. We'll be announcing all that stuff. And over the summer of 2009, we will be doing the musical The Wedding Singer, which is based on the Adam Sandler movie, and which is also very different from the Rocky Horror Show. So. I'm just going to give a plug to the Pennington Players. If By all may. means. In the spring, uh, we're doing The Wiz, which Kairos, who is also in the show, is directing. And when, when does it actually go up? March 6th. March 6th. Well... Performances of Rocky Horror will be at the Kelsey Theater on the West Windsor campus of Mercer County Community College and will begin on October 31st at 8 p.m. And there will be a special midnight performances on that Friday and the following Saturday mm-hmm. with the final performance running on November 8th. Tickets are $16 with discounts for seniors and students. Go to www.kelseyatmcc.org or call 609 609- Five seven zero three 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 for further information and reservations. I want to thank Frank Ferrero, Nicholas Chang, and Judy Parrish for taking time to speak with us today. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. <laughs> Go Wildcats. For Backstage Pass, I'm John Maurer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>